Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. What's going on, everybody? I hope you all had a very good week and a very good weekend, and you managed to stay safe and not get injured during judo training. I got lots to get to on this particular episode of the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. I want to talk a little bit about the All Japan Judo Championships, and I want to talk about a little bit of news coming from the IGF regarding a new location for the Junior World Championships. If you're not aware, the Pan American Championships are happening right now as we speak in Panama City, Panama, and the IGF's next big tournament, which is going to be in a city called Ekaterinburg in Russia, is going to be taking place. I want to talk a little bit about that. There's a little bit of big news going into that tournament that I want to discuss, and I'm, I'll be sure to get there eventually, so don't don't you worry about that one bit. You know I got you covered here. I hope you, you took the opportunity to listen to my last episode, which was an interview featuring Sensei Steve Scott, the creator of Freestyle Judo. I got I got to tell you guys, I was very, very impressed with that interview, not because of me, but because of him. And and I was really struck by Steve's passion for judo. Being in judo for over 50 years, he sounds like a guy that is still has this, this deep passion for judo and for getting better and for being a better coach and always willing to learn. He that's the kind of guy that he struck me as. And he's a Sichidan. I mean I mean he's a he's been around for over fifty years. He's got his own club. He's got a lot of assistants. He's promoted a lot of people. He's he knows a lot of people and, and I just I was very impressed by his his intensity and enthusiasm for freestyle judo and for judo as a whole and it just just wanted to get that out there. I hope you guys had a chance to listen to that interview because I was, I listened to it over again, which is something I normally don't do because it's it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like going out with the same girl twice on the same day. You know, you 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 have the date once, and you you know maybe you see her in the future, but you you don't go out with her again the same night. You know what I mean? So I, that's just me. That's just me. But anyway, I did listen to the interview all over again, and I thought it went really well and I was really really impressed with his answers and I think if you guys have not had an opportunity to listen to the entire interview you should give it a listen because this is just somebody who has given so much of himself to judo and the freestyle judo rules and his his rule set is very interesting to me anyway and it's something that I'd like to incorporate at some point in the future in my own club not necessarily get away from IGF standard judo but but to have something on the side that we can all we can say hey you know what not only do we just do regular judo tournaments for the kids but if you want to practice leg grabs at our club you're more than welcome to do so just we will you want to compete in freestyle judo rules or, or train as if you're competing for a, or preparing for a freestyle judo tournament feel free just let us know and and th- th- so that's going to be an avenue I'd like to take the club in the future if if the the club sensei is uh, willing to do that. Now, speaking of the club, I, I got to say, we're, we're still a little bit in limbo. I do think that once the building closes that where we're at, that we will have a place to go. It's not going to be a really a permanent place, but 
It's my understanding there's a local guy that teaches jujitsu. He's got a relatively small club, and he'll allow us to to use that space. But boy, I, I tell you, just like I said in the last podcast, the, the Wednesday class nobody showed up, and it was uh, very disappointing. And I think I think in total, I, we got to be down to let's see about four kids now, and, and one of them's injured, and and one and it's kind of tough. It's it's but it's it's really tough to see the club, you know, kind of be this way. And I was talking to the club sensei on Friday, which we did have a few kids show up, and 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 that was pretty good. And Monday was kind of interesting because it allowed uh, some of the adults from from the jujitsu class that was a part of this, you know, building which is now going away. They came over for judo, and and I used that opportunity to. Um, practice some left-sided throws. Now, my left side is is not very good at all, and I I wish I had a camera rolling because I wanted to take a log of where I started when I started practicing the left-sided throws and where I ended up just this past Friday. I, I've made some really great progress with a left-sided Ipon Sayanagi. Now, I want to be able to do this throw from my, my standard uh, right-handed grip, so could I demonstrate a left-sided throw from a left-sided grip, yes, I can. But I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be able to, to use this throw. I want to incorporate a left-sided Iponse Anagi as part of my repertoire if I'm going against somebody lefty versus righty. I want that ability to be able to turn in really quickly and throw a person for Ipon. So Monday I started, I started this endeavor to try and practice this. And... It was rough. I mean, I was able to throw people on the crash pads, but man, my balance was off. I was falling all over the place. I, I looked like a real beginner. And I tried this a little bit again Wednesday, but Friday, I uh, one of the taller teenagers that was there, he allowed me to get some reps in. And it started really coming together fairly quickly. So I, I would say that for myself, I... From where I started Friday, I'd say about 50 throws later, I, I really started to get a good feel for it. And that's kind of the advantage that once you become really experienced in judo, the throws do come a little bit easier if you're trying to learn something new. Sorry about that. If you were listening, you could hear my text message indicator go off in the background. If you recognize a sound, that is the sound of the NFL draft little jingle whenever a team is about to make a selection. So my Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a very good Thursday night draft going into the weekend, and I, I'm very proud of my Bucks. I, I can't wait for the season. But this is a judo podcast. It's not an NFL podcast. But I got to say, yeah, I'm very excited about the NFL draft. So go Bucks! But anyway, where was I? My club. Yeah. So long story short. I think we will have a space somewhere. I just don't really know where, and we're still trying to iron those things out. When I talked to the club sensei on Friday, I think we both need to take a new approach with this club, trying to get more kids in. We need a, a better social media presence. You know, I volunteered that I can help out in that regard because I, I think it's important for the club to have an active Facebook page, an active Instagram account. And to be able to show the local judo community that, that we are a judo club that is open for business, basically. So 
So uh, I I hope that at some point, and and I think the club needs a name change because it's currently called Riverview Judo, but it's not in Riverview. It's in Ruskin. So, but we can't go calling it Ruskin Judo, and we might go to Apollo Beach. So I I don't know. We we have to find a name that it doesn't matter where we go, the name sticks. But anyway, before I get to some of the news and related items that I want to talk about on this podcast, it's about time for my favorite segment. What time is it? Listener reaction. My favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. And this segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast is sponsored by one of my favorite YouTube channels, the Nick and Sai Show. Now, I'm not saying they're one of my favorite YouTube channels because they're sponsoring the segment. It's been one of my favorite channels for many, many years. Now, you guys may not know this, but I used to have a different YouTube channel that they subscribed to about... Probably about seven years ago by now, seven, eight years ago. So, of course, I subscribe back to the Nick and Sai show um, because I always subscribe back to people who subscribe to me. So I've been I've been following that channel for many years. Nick and Sai Collier have been creating judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, self-defense and stunt type videos for many, many years. And they also compete nationally in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They put out good stuff. A few weeks ago, I watched this really, really nifty counter to a guard slam. Something, a technique that I I wouldn't really know how to get out of other than maybe letting go of my legs and and, and hoping that I still didn't get slammed. But they really demonstrated a really nice nice counter to the guard slam in a no-gi situation. And, you know, on a personal note, I've watched them, in a way, I've watched them grow up. And I got to say, you know, it's really special to see... The Collier brothers bond together over all these years over a common love of all things grappling. Now, you guys have seen those John Wick movies, right? I, after all, it's a display of judo combined with guns and killing and all this awesome action stuff. Well, the Collier brothers are sponsored by 8711 Action Design, which is the company that produced and directed those John Wick movies. Many of you guys may not know this, but, and this is a true story, I'm personal friends with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, you hear that, but Matt? You hear that? I, I have, now I've kept that from you, but Keanu Reeves is a personal friend of mine. I know he's your favorite actor. And anyway, anyway, a few years ago, after I watched John Wick, I called him up and said, Yo, Key, and his friends call him Key, so, Yo, Key, where did you learn all those judo techniques? And I asked him, did, did you learn them from watching my YouTube channel? And he said, sorry, Judo Dave, but I learned those techniques from the Collier brothers. True story, bro. So, like I said, go on and check out the Nick and Sai show on YouTube. It's www.theyoutube.com forward slash user forward slash Nick and Sai. I'll put the link in the uh, podcast description. Subscribe to them. And, you know, while you're at it, subscribe to my YouTube channel, too. Now, speaking of listener reaction... Part of the reaction that I've gotten from my last podcast was a bunch of follows on Instagram. Guys, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I must have gotten like 10 follows after I told you guys if you weren't following my Instagram. Well, fuck you. After I said that, it's like you guys just like, oh, oh I, I, I better click that follow button or else Judo Day is going to get all angry. I didn't mean it, guys, but... I appreciate it anyway. If you haven't been following my YouTube channel, I mean my Instagram channel, you got to check it out. So follow me at La Vida Judoka and you can see the shirt that Jonah UL of Oakland Judo sent me as a gift to the show, which is something I greatly appreciate it. So that's part of the listener reaction. I got an email that I got to read 
I, it's from an anonymous email. I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't want a bunch of hate. And quite frankly, I don't blame him because this email was venomous. I mean, if this email was a snake, it would be a black mamba. Here it goes. Salam, Mr. Roman. It has been much to my delight to discover that you host a judo podcast. Do you know how many times I've streamed IJF sanctioned events at 1am, all the while thinking nobody else in the US has a clue that there are major tournaments going on? Let's get to the crux of these things straight away. First, thank you for bringing some much needed attention to the fact that, by and large, training judo in the USA sucks for anybody over the age of 14. Many of the quote-unquote senseis are unaccomplished, self-absorbed absorbed pricks who don't keep up with modern-day judo. Teddy Renner, you ask? Never heard of him. Georgie Santaria? Oh no, that doesn't look like classical Kodokan judo to me. The UFC? Barbaric. It is most tragic exa- it is the most tragic example of you get what you pay for. Sure, you might be only paying $40 a month, but the trade-off is that you are being quote-unquote taught by an obese 55-year-old man who never competed beyond Sankyu. And perhaps much to your dismay, the guy is a complete and utter... Uh, I, I can't say that word here. That's not the kind of judo we do here. Save that for the bars. Yes, I definitely would have called head diving penalty on Zantaria. Less Randori, more Uchikomi. Why weren't you volunteering at the last cultural festival? If you want to be a member of this dojo, you must be grilling pork for eight hours on a perfectly good Saturday. Who said you can come? Who said you can come here wearing a blue gi? You show up at the adult class, and maybe there are four middle-aged recreationalists in an army of children. So you try to talk things out with the the elder quote-unquote senseis. So this would be him, I guess. With respect. Could we perhaps allow adults to practice on their own away from the little ones? And here's a sensei. Well, the thing is, this dojo has a tradition of giving back. And after all, the children are the future. So as an adult, you are here to help them grow. Yep, you heard that right, folks. Give up the precious little time that you have available as an adult only to serve as a throwing dummy for a sixth grader who will more, likely, more than likely quit judo altogether within the next three to five years. Meanwhile, there are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Mundial champions all over the all over the place, including in Tampa Bay, Florida. And that's my, that's me. Listen, if BJJ is basically just judo, then you're going to have to be a whole lot better. Off, you're going to be a whole lot better off shelling out some extra dough to train train with the Mendes brothers than if you were to sign up at some cultural institute with an abusive, unstable, domineering egomaniac heading up the classes. I don't want to sound like to, I don't want to sound like a bad guy. You know, so here you go. Continuing on, are there some genuinely nice older judoka who want to give back but may not be the most accomplished competitors out there? Sure, and I do not fault them at all. Well, thanks because I I, I would probably put myself in that group. On the other hand, you run in, you run into pompous a holes who really aren't even good who will not allow themselves to be put in a position to get exposed for the frauds that they are. Like, and it gives an example. I can't do Rondori because my arthritis is flaring up. These guys are killing judo. New guys show up, get cussed out for not bowing properly, and they never are to be seen again. Probably signed up at, um, he gives an example of some club. Uh, I, I can't say the name here. I'm not going to put that club on blast. Anyway, continuing on. I visited countries where judo flourishes. The U.S. is so far behind, it's no wonder they are still hunting for that men's Olympic gold. 
In fact, it's a miracle any American male has set foot on a podium considering how undeveloped most programs here are. The USA dominates in many sports. For example, we have our best team assembled. We beat up on European and Latin American teams in basketball. We have some of the best boxers. Our baseball teams are highly regarded. But when it comes to judo, I almost feel like telling others to save themselves a disappointment and just make use of the many first-rate BJJ champions who have opened up academies here. American judo is on par with Jamaican bobsledding. Anyway, that's all I have to say for now. Now, this is an anonymous emailer. There's a couple of things that I want to respond to, and I'm just going to take some quotes here. You know, let's see. Uh, let's see. Going on. Um... Thank you for bringing much needed attention. USA Judo sucks for everybody over the age of 14. All right, so, so some of my responses here is my immediate response is that I get where he's coming from. There are, and I've said this before, the old guard in Judo needs to go away at some point. And it's not because these people are not contributing. They are contributing to Judo, but they have an old school mentality. It's It's like... A lot of a lot of old school judo, the history of the judo in the United States came from post World War II, early nineteen fifties Americana, and those guys were a lot of them that started judo or brought judo from Japan into the United States. They were World War II vets, and a lot of their immediate students learned judo from these World War II veterans, and these guys had a different approach to teaching judo and running their classes. And to this emailer's point, I I don't see it as much anymore, but those guys still exist and they hold very important positions within judo and within their state's national governing bodies. I look I my first judo club started off with a guy that was like that, very old school, you, you know, came from the 1950s Air Force uh you, you know, learning judo then and 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 carrying a lot of carrying a lot of military traditions and a military mindset to their judo clubs and i tend to agree with this email now i think this emailer went to extremes on some of his points but i do perhaps where he is at these are the kind of experiences that he's having or at least maybe the the senseis that are in his area because you know post world war 2 people are now in their late 80s and 90s. So I'm guessing maybe their direct students who would be in their 50s and 60s are that way. I can tell you for sure, since Steve Scott, a welcome Matt Judo is not that kind of guy. And I think you guys heard that if you listened to my last episode, I think you guys would have heard for yourselves that he is not that kind of guy. So let's see, another quote he says here, you show up to an adult class and maybe there are four middle-aged recreationalists and an army of children. So you try and talk things out with the elder sensei and he goes on and on about, you know, giving back to the to the students and stuff. Now, while I have not had this kind of conversation with a sensei, I have been in this situation. Now, as an assistant instructor, I do take falls for the sixth graders out there because that is my role and I gladly uh portray that role as the best that I can and I'm very willing to take falls for sixth graders and kids and beginners and things like that. I I love doing that. I love helping kids get better at judo. But I am an assistant instructor. That is my role. And I 
this emailer, I have been in his position where as an EQ, as a Shodan, I'm trying to get better. I'm a student. I mean, right now, and I've always said it before, I am a student that teaches currently, but I'm still a student. So if I'm just a student going to a club and it's expected for me to take falls for kids and stuff like that, and I'm not getting better, yeah, that's a problem. I, I, I think this anonymous emailer, there's like I said, I think he took things to extreme, but there's points that he's making that I think are very valid. Um, continuing on here. And and you know he goes into this 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 uh, uh, rant about the the older Yudoka and some of the pompous a holes who aren't really good who won't al- you know allow uh, who won't randori themselves and things like that. Now I don't know what it's like to be an older Yudoka. I ho- at forty two I can tell you that I'm not the same athlete if you want to call me that. I'm not the same guy that it was at thirty two. And I gotta believe once I turn fifty-two, I won't be the same as I was at forty-two. So I wanna make sure that as a judoka, as an instructor, that I can run Dory within reason for as long as possible because I don't want to be the guy that that is afraid to roll or or anything like that. Um even these days at forty-two, I am I am choosy on who I run Dory with if they're adults. Because I need to make sure I got a full-time job, I got a family, I got to make sure nobody takes me out, uh, you know, rips up my knee because they're being stupid. But I I'm, I still go to different clubs in Rondori, I still want to uh, Rondori as much as possible because I have a lot of fun doing it. But, you know, I think we got to understand that some of these people that anonymous emailer may be coming across is that these are older people that can't afford to get injured, but they can afford to still give back to the Judah community and teach at a local level. And should they be pompous? No, definitely not. Should they be the kind of guys that hold back students in rank? Absolutely not. And I know that happens. I, 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 I know of somebody that that has happened to, I know of two people actually that that has happened to that, you know, these, these older instructors, they get into these positions. They, hey, they got their Rokudans, but screw you guys. I'm not going to promote you guys because, you know, I had to work for my rank. So I'm going to hold you guys back for no good reason whatsoever. Yeah, a lot of that exists. And, and I can, I know some of the listeners out here who live in my particular area, you know who I'm talking about. And you know who I am talking about in terms of who are the students that got screwed over. I could, I'm not going to say names, but, you know what? If you want to reach out to me and say, "Hey, are you talking about me?" Yeah, unfortunately, I'm talking about you because I know you. Some of you guys have been screwed out of rank because of of hard headed sensei out there. They do exist, and you know this. This emailer finishes with the point of you know he feels like telling others, "Look, don't bother with judo. Go to Brazilian jiu jitsu." And it's hard to argue when you have these kind of sensei. In this kind of position, uh, who who are dragging judo down, and I I I've been talking about this my entire the, the entire length of of all my podcast episodes that there is a problem in USA judo. Now to springboard off of this anonymous emailer's comments, I've got breaking news. <laughs> Kayla Harrison just put USA judo on blast. 
I just got this update on my Facebook feed. I just happen to be looking through my Facebook feed because I, I, you guys, you know, I sometimes I pause, I I stop recording, I re-record, I splice it all together. So between what I was just going over with the email and and now uh, me talking. I just saw this update on Kayla Harrison's official Facebook page. A video was posted where she basically put the USA Judo on blast. And let me tell you, a lot of what she is saying is stuff that I have been ranting about for 20 episodes. Make it 21 now. 21 episodes. And instead of trying to sum it up, I'm just going to play the audio of what she said here. If she gets upset with me for sharing her audio on this particular video she can reach out to me and I, I'll, I'll edit the video out and repost the podcast but this is very important you all have to hear this and I'm going to react to it once this audio is done listen to this over the past six years and normally I start off every speech with you in a judo demonstration but I don't have to here which is kind of refreshing um I don't want to take a lot of your time but I just want to say a few things Since I was six years old, judo has been the love of my life. Um, from the very first time I stepped on the mat, I loved it. And I loved everything about it. And it has taught me so many lessons in life. Perseverance, courage, determination, hard work. But judo has not always loved me back. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of hard days. There have been a lot of moments that I've had to power through. I've powered through losses, and I've powered through surgeries, and I've powered through concussions, and I've powered through family issues, and I've powered through personal struggles and personal nightmares that many of you know of. But it gets to a point where you kind of just get tired of powering through. If it weren't for the people, some of the people in this room, but the people that aren't in this room, like the Pedros, I would not be a two-time Olympic champion. I might not even be alive. So, This isn't directed at anyone in particular, but this is a warning. USA Judo needs to have a plan. USA Judo needs to have people who care about that plan. The Pedros, for the last 50 years, have been involved in the sport and have cared about the sport and have brought it to the highest levels it's ever seen. Their advice, their consultation, and their help is no longer being heeded. And that is why USA Judo will not be successful on the highest level. For the first time since I can remember at the Pan Am Championships, we did not bring home a gold medal. And that is not a coincidence. The people who love Judo are being punished. And I'm tired. I'm very tired. 
My entire life has been about this sport. Everything that I do is to help grow this sport. But today, <laughs> when I'm trying to coach the future of our sport, I'm asked to step behind the barrier because I don't have a credential. And I can't do it anymore. I can't. Winning America's first Olympic gold medal and only two Olympic gold medals has been the highlight of my life. And it has been a pleasure and an honor. But judo, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> I need a break. I wish the new administration the best of luck. I wish the future Olympians and Paralympians and young athletes the best of luck. I hope you find everything you're looking for in this sport. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to become who you see in front of you today. Thank you very much. You hear that, USA Judo? You have failed. You have been failing for years and years and years. And I would suggest any of the American listeners who are listening to this podcast, do not renew your USA Judo membership. If Kayla Harrison, of all people, one of the kindest people, one of the greatest ambassadors of our sport and, and of judo for the United States can make such statements to bring her to tears, to bring her to her breaking point. If USA Judo can do this, they are not worthy of your money. They are not worthy of your support. And they are not worthy of your time. You know, it's funny. Last week when I was interviewing Sensei Steve Scott, he talked about having his own Yudanshakai so he could promote his own students as he sees fit. And, you know, I know there are people out there who criticize, you know, who might be critical of Sensei Steve Scott about doing such a thing. But is USA Judo better? Is USA Judo the kind of organization that you want to support and promote your students for? If this is how they're going to treat the greatest judoka in American history, if they can treat her that way, they can treat you that way. And they are not worthy of your support. Just look at the executive committee and you can see that there are some old school guys getting mixed in with people who are trying to volunteer, guys like Nick Koster, who probably just wants to make a difference, but he's sucked into this vortex of old judo policy and they can't make a change. People need to clean house. I know that there is a new CEO at USA Judo. He needs to clean house completely and revamp the program. Because this is unacceptable. The Pedros have complained about USA Judo. Ronda Rousey has complained about USA Judo. Dr. Amarina DeMars has complained about USA Judo. Now Kayla Harrison is complaining about USA Judo. What is it going to take? And let me tell you, I can see why. I think Kayla Harrison's comments are a perfect springboard off of that last email that I just read. Because this is what people are talking about. And it's not changing one bit. What is it going to take? And the, the people who are suffering the most are the athletes who want to 
represent their country in judo. They are being held back because of mismanagement at USA Judo. Whether it's financial mismanagement, whether it's their inability to support the athletes and get them on level, get them on a level in a way that they can compete internationally. Like she said, not one gold medal at this Pan American Games. And I was going to get into the results a little bit later, but she's right. Not one gold medal. And, and that's just, that's unacceptable. I mean, if, if our athletes cannot compete at the highest, cannot even compete at the Pan American Games and at least get one gold, we have no business going across in the, uh, the other side of the Atlantic and competing in these IGF world events. What's the point? They're just going to end up in seventh place and ninth place. And again, that is not a rip on the athletes. It is a rip on, on the entire support structure that USA Judo has failed to provide. There is no reason why our athletes cannot compete at the highest levels with everybody else. We have the money uh, in, in this country. We have so many different advantages compared to a lot of other countries that don't have the same type of freedoms, that don't have the same type of resources. Look, the United States dominates in so many other sports in the Olympics. Why can't we figure it out for judo? It's, It's not that hard, but we have a lot of old school people and old ideas in place that make it extremely difficult for our athletes to find success. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm... I have the answers. I don't have the answers. But I know there are plenty of people in this country that do have the answers. And they are probably getting shut up or or pushed away on the side because they don't want because USA Judo does not want to change. I'm going to read a quick story about bananas and monkeys because this story perfectly illustrates what USA Judo is today. So here's the story. You start with a cage containing five monkeys. Inside the cage, hang a banana on a string and place it a, a set of and place a set of stairs under it. Before long, a monkey is going to go to the stairs and start to climb toward the banana. As soon as he touches the stairs, spray all of the other monkeys with cold water. After a while, another monkey makes an attempt with the same result. All of the other monkeys are sprayed with cold water. Pretty soon, when another monkey tries to climb the stairs, the other monkeys will try to prevent it. Now, put away the cold water, remove one monkey from the cage, and replace it with a new one. The new monkey sees the banana and wants to climb the stairs. But to his surprise and horror, all of the other monkeys attack him. After another attempt and attack, he knows that if he tries to climb the stairs, he will be assaulted. Next, remove another of the original five monkeys and replace it with a new one. The newcomer goes to the stairs and it's attacked. The previous newcomer takes part in the punishment with enthusiasm. Likewise, replace the third, replace a third original monkey with a new one, then a fourth, and then a fifth. Every time the newest monkey takes the stairs, he is attacked. Most of the monkeys that are beating him have no idea why they are permitted to climb, they were not permitted to climb the stairs or why they were participating in beating of the newest monkey. After replacing all the original monkeys, none of the remaining monkeys have ever been sprayed with cold water. Nevertheless, no monkey ever again approaches the stairs to try for the banana. Why not? Because as far as they know, that's the way it's always been done around here. And that is a perfect example of what USA Judo is all about. All of the people that are in charge have been doing things the same old way because they've been punished in years past for trying to do something different and trying to improve USA Judo. 
This is what USA Judo has become. And unless the CEO has the brass to lay it all on the table and get rid of all of the old fogies and all of the old people and start fresh with people that really want to change things around here, the more it's, it, they're just, nothing's going to change. Unless the CEO of USA Judo does that, and I'm not sure if he has the gonads to be able to do that, fire everybody and start from the ground up. Because Kayla Harrison is right. This is completely unacceptable. And it's a shame that USA Judo has become this organization. I am no longer going to support financially USA Judo. Forget it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'll I'll go with the USJF or USJA. Even then, you know what? I might go with the, 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 the Phil Porter's organization that he started years ago. Why not? They're probably far less corrupt than USA Judo. That's look. I, all right, I've said enough. That's all I got to say about that. I'm gonna move on. All right, I want to talk about people who are actually winning prestigious judo tournaments. The All Japan Judo Championship Open Weight category happened on April 29th, and if you haven't heard, and I'm getting this from the Japan Times, Takeshi Ojitani secured his second straight national championship on Saturday winning the Openweight Tournament for the third time in his career after defeating Aaron Wolf on points in the Golden Score Extra Period. Ojitani, who won the title for the first time in 2014, downed Ryo Sichinoe for the second straight year in the semifinals with a, with a vertical four-quarter hold before two late penalties from Wolf in the final handed the reigning champion the title at the, at the Nippon Budokan. Ojitani, the first back-to-back winner of the meet since... Keiji Suzuki achieved this feat in 2005, secured his place in the World Championships in Budapest this summer. I always kept it in my mind to go on the attack when I start the tire, Ojitani said. I couldn't show my kind of judo in the first two rounds, but was told by my mentor to be tenacious throughout and I stuck to that. Hisayoshi Hawasawa, last summer's Olympic silver medalist in the over 100 kilo division, went out in the third round but will also be at the World's given his record in international meets. Yeah, and that's uh, this is me t- speaking. That's got to be all the points he's acquired. He's He's got to definitely be there, I, I have to believe. He, speaking about Ojitani, isn't eye-catching but deserves to win the tournament for the solid manner which he keeps getting wins, Japan coach Kosei Inui said. We'd like to fight together, together and make him the best in the world. For Hawasawa, what he feels of the loss and how he progresses from here is important. Ojitani missed out on the berth for the real games after finishing 7th at the Grand Slam Tokyo in 2015, but he bounced back to win the 2016 championship in December and claimed his first national invitational weight class championships in the over 100 kilo class on April 2nd. I got my I got into my rhythm for the quarterfinals. Uh, Wolf was strong. He had power and he wasn't running out of stamina, said the 24-year-old. Not making the Rio Olympics has given me motivation to drive on. Beaten finalist Aaron Wolf will be at the Worlds to fight in the 100 kilo division and look back positively on the tournament that ended with a defeat to Ojitani, who's about 40 kilograms heavier. Aaron Wolf said, It was good to end the tournament in a decent position given it was one of, of those to prepare for the Worlds. Said Wolf, whose father is from the United States. Okay, that makes sense given his name. It's a plus that I gained the belief that I can cut it against judokas from other su- from overseas too. Shohei Ono, 
the 73 kilo gold medalist in Rio, headed into the meet weighing 78 kilos but lost in his first match. His second round match to a 95 kilo opponent went into overtime and lasted a brutal 9 minutes and 54 seconds. I came with a mission as a gold medalist and competed in a tournament in which the word defeat comes before anything else. I have no regrets, said Ono, who had the crowd on, on their feet as he attempted his favorite Uchimata and big outer reap throws. I am not losing heart. I will build on this, 25-year-old said. Now, guys, keep in mind that I've read this from the Japan Times, which is obviously a translation from Japanese. So, you know, and I see the uh, his favorite inner thigh throw. They're clearly talking about Uchimata. And congratulations to Takeshi Ojitani. So I, that's got that's big for him. I'm not quite sure if he'll be the one to take down Teddy Renner at the World Championships because you can be sure that Teddy is going to be there. And Aaron Wolf, who's very strong. Now I've talked about Aaron Wolf in the past. I assumed that his father was American, but this is the first time I have read confirmation on that, which makes sense because Aaron Wolf while an awesome American name, is not a Japanese name. Speaking of world championships, the IJF finally settled on a new location for their junior world championships. They have settled in Zagreb, Croatia. Now, for those who may not remember, the IJF was trying to hold a judo world championships in the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which is North Korea. Which, at the time when I talked about this, I thought it was patently absurd that they would try and hold a judo tournament in in North Korea. Now, this is from the IJF site. I I, I got a little uh, I, I got a little chuckle out of this. So, this was from the article on the IJF site. After several meetings and visits that took place, the International Judo Federation signaled to the local organizer, comprising of both representatives of the Sports Mini- Ministry and the DPR Korea Judo Association. During several discussions and exchanges that there were some outstanding issues like air accessibility in Pyongyang, safety and security of participants and their belongings, communications with the outside world, possibility of live streaming, etc., etc., etc. Several international flights with the best access to Pyongyang were canceled, which creates a big logistical approach to locations. Are you kidding me? Did they really have to meet with the judo organization of North Korea to figure this stuff out? They could have just called up Judo Dave and I would have told them, look, it's not a good idea. Come on. This is the most absurd thing. They had to have several meetings with these people to figure out that this was a bad idea to begin with. Oh, okay. I love this part too. There are issues that continue to be uncertain today as well. In addition, one of the conditions that was always reminded during the preparation phase was a stable international situation of the country. At present, this situation is alarming and the outcomes are difficult to predict. Well, what what situations? You mean like North Korea launching missiles toward Japan? You mean North Korea making threats to South Korea on a daily basis with their exercise and their parade of military equipment and tanks and missiles and such? Oh, you're talking about those type of uh, international situations, right? I just want to be clear because I just want to make sure that maybe, 
you know, I don't know that that the that there's a a taxing situation in North Korea. I'm not so sure about that. Or maybe you're talking about the fact that there are people starving in North Korea, and that anybody that says anything negative toward dear leader's regime will be put into put into forced labor camps. You mean those kind of conditions? Come on, this is the this is ridiculous. It should have never come to this point. They should have picked another location. And the Democratic People's Republic of Korea was the worst idea of the world. Worst idea ever! That was horrible, horrible idea. And it just shows how short-sighted the IGF leadership was in this particular issue. Alright, I need a little bit more positive news here. I need to calm down a little bit. Some of these stories today have just been really, really gotten my my uh, blood boiling and such. So I'm going to bring it down just a little bit a notch and talk about something good. I don't know if you guys watched any of the European Championship over the weekend. I did not get to see it live, but I did uh, follow up on some of the matches and saw some of the winners and losers of, of this particular tournament but I didn't really care too much about the losers unless you were really up in the, uh, it, it, you know, the the finals and semifinals and such, and and you know, medal matches. That's what it really what I mean. So there's a couple big winners here. I couple of uh, winners that did not surprise me in the least. Starting with Majlinda Kelmendi, she took gold against against uh, Kuznetsova of Russia and I got to say she really put up a good match against Kelmendi but in my opinion and I saw the IJF put out a Twitter uh, questionnaire to find out who people thought was the best judoka on the uh, in, in the world and in my opinion I, I think Majlinda Kelmendi is the total package I said that before I'll say it again I think she was fabulous in this tournament, and she just showed her domination in this match. Now, I know there's a lot of people that might take exception to me saying Kelmendi is the best in the world, but I, I just think, I said it before, she just, her her tenacity, her technique, her her ability to just not let her opponents get an, get, get an advantage at all, it's just... She's just really at the top of her game, and and she's just really, really a, a a great player to watch on the international scene. She's she's certainly my my favorite now that uh, you know Kayla Harrison's retired, and and at least on the women's side, she's my favorite to watch, and and by far just 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 a, a, another uh, fantastic day. Her final match is definitely worth worth watching. I call that must see TV for sure. Now, on the men's side, one of my favorites to watch is in the over 100 kilo division with Guram Tushishvili, who defeated Okrashvili of Georgia as well. They're both Georgian, so it was an all Georgian final. And boy, I tell you what, Tushishvili really has incredible judo. I mean, you know, for years we've been, and look, I've, I've referenced this before. I'm not. Fond of Teddy Renner's judo, uh, his his matches tend to be very boring. He tends to win on on uh, inducing shitos by the other guy. But you know when you get when you see an over a uh, hundred kilo player like Tushishvili throwing guys for a pawn, and, and in this final he he got the he got the uh, the wazari on a drop Sayanagi on on Okurashvili and and he. 
he didn't defend himself, so he went for the arm lock and, and got the Juji Katami for the for the Yippon win. Very, very impressive uh, uh, final. Very, very impressive win. Congratulations to him. He's one to look out for this year. I, I, I got to say between between uh, Tushishvili and Ojitani and, and Hawasawa, those, this, this over 100 kilo division is very strong, and I expect all three of those gentlemen to give Teddy Renner a run for his money this year. And, and speaking of which, if you guys haven't heard, Teddy is going to be complete, competing in his first tournament uh, over in Russia, e, e Kratzenberg. I'm sorry if I got the name wrong, but in the next uh, IJF World Tour, it's a Grand Slam, and it's going to be in, in a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll be really interested to see how Teddy Renner uh, changes his games to adapt to the new rules because, <laughs> quite frankly, given given some of the the changes in in the Shidos and such, I, I wonder if some of these rules will will make it difficult for Teddy to be as dominant as he once was. Now going back to the women's side, Tina Turstenyak uh, won her division against. Pinoa, France, and boy, that this was a very, very long match. It went into golden score. She ended up winning by Shido. Um, Pinoa came came away with the Shido, and and that that gave her the victory in the final. But this was a very hard fought match. Not a not a very exciting match. Nobody got really thrown for a score, to be honest. And but. But it doesn't matter. This was a big win for her. It, it, she's one of my favorites to watch. Just, just wasn't one of those matches that that were really exciting and and, and representative of the kind of skill set that that Terstenyak has. But, but congratulations to her. She's one of my favorites to watch as well. And and to move back over to the men's side now, guys. I know I'm jumping around all over the place. I just I took some random notes here. Some things that really caught my eye. Um, Zantaria of, of the Ukraine defeated Gombak of Slovenia in the 66-kilo final with a Cabarelli throw. Now, if you guys don't know what a Cabarelli throw is, it's kind of this... Imagine Anuchi Mata facing, facing the guy, but you really it's a really more of a hip throw than a leg throw, but it's imagine a reverse Uchi Mata. That's really the best way I could, could, could describe it. It's a throw that I really can't do. Maybe on a crash pad on somebody who's not resisting me, I could do it. But never a throw I've ever been able to pull off in Rondori or, or in competition. But but yeah, huge throw. Definitely a must-see TV match. you got to take check that out. It's, it's got to be... I, I don't know if that would be the best throw in the tournament, but but certainly was up there. I saw another Cabarelli-type throw that was fantastic to watch as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll link some of the big, big throws that I saw... Uh, in my show notes, actually, there's a there's a really nice video out there that broke it down for me very easily, so I don't have to watch uh, 18 hours worth of judo competition to break it down by timestamp. So, now going back to the women's side of things, in the over 78 kilo division, Slutskaya of Belarus defeated Ironka of the Ukraine. Now, Ironka is somebody who's been really making a good run this year. She's got a couple of bronze in some of the other Grand Prix and the Grand Slam events, and she manages to get silver here. She just couldn't get on top of of Slutskaya of Belarus, and and it was a very very close match. But she ended up uh, getting pinned, and and she lost uh, she lost to Slutskaya via Ipon, and it's a big win for her. But but I'm telling you again. You know, Ironka in that particular division is one to watch out for heading into the World Championships for sure. No doubt about it. 
Now, there were a lot of impressive matches and that I'm just not going to be able to get to. Obviously, some big wins. I'm not going to break down every single division winner. I, I like to do the statistics and such when France and Japan are within the tournaments. That's that's when I really find it all interesting. But but this was still there were a lot of great matches that I that I did manage to watch. Of course, I just can't watch 18 hours worth of judo. I I don't have that kind of time, so I have to rely on YouTube. Um, great insight from judoinside.com so I can see the specific matches that may interest me. Now, just because I highlighted a few of these matches doesn't mean that the other matches aren't worth watching, but, but like I said, I, I just can't break down every single one. And I'll link to a highlight video that I saw earlier in the week. Uh, that that showed the, their top ten throws or whatnot, and and some of the throws were in, were incredible. I actually saw a a flying armbar in one of the matches that I will definitely highlight. It was a match that happened in in the very very early rounds, but but it was just a, in, an incredible armbar nonetheless, performed by Zabeda Rekviashvili. It was just just incredible it's it's very very rare that i see the flying arm bar but it was it was an awesome technique and he 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 nailed it just right caught his opponent off guard and i'll i'll link to that one as well now i want to talk a little bit about the pan american championships that also happened over this past weekend it would seem that uh judging by the results brazil and cuba clean house over this past weekend followed by uh by canada as well oh canada yeah, so congratulations to those three countries. The United States did not fare as well as I would have liked to have seen. And obviously, if you listened earlier in this podcast, Kayla Harrison touched on that. But I did want to make special mention to Colton Brown, who who got silver in the in the under ninety kilo division, Alexander Turner, who got bronze in the under seventy three kilo division, and Hannah Martin, who I happen to follow on Instagram got uh got bronze in the under 63 kilo division. So, congratulations to those particular Americans and and to to Team USA who who made the trip and I'm sure they did uh very very well there. Oh, I'm looking at some results here. I must have missed this as well. Uh Caitlin Boiseau uh got bronze and and same with Angelica Delgado also got bronze in in the under 52 kilo division. Caitlin got bronze in the under 48 kilo division. And let's see if I'm missing anybody else. Um, Nina Kutro Kelly also got uh, of the United States got bronze in the in the over 78 kilo division. So am I missing anybody here from the United States? I don't want to cut any of my countrymen out. I'm very proud of their efforts here, but but Brazil was very very strong. I mean they're very strong in the international scene. Same with Cuba. So quite frankly, I'm not surprised to see them win the medal count. Oh, and turns out Marty Malloy won won bronze as well in her division. All right, I, I think my blood pressure has lowered quite a bit since I was talking about Kayla Harrison's comments and stuff. So I think I'm going to keep this podcast a little bit shorter today, even though it's we're working on 54 minutes as I speak. But uh, yeah, so later on tonight, I'm going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy in preparation for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I can't wait for that movie. I plan to watch it next weekend. And... I'm sorry if I said this already. I'm going to repeat myself. If I didn't say it already, you guys should know that one of these weekends in May, probably the weekend of, of May 20th, there will not be a, a podcast on that Monday. I think I said that already. But usually I record the podcast on the weekend. 
but uh, there's no way I'm going to have time to do that because I'm going to be moving. I got to make sure that I'm set up properly and, and, and all of that good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that move. We're going into a new house. It, it's a nice house. It's got a fenced backyard. It's It's got three-car garage. It's 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 a ridiculous size house, but with I got a ridiculously sized family, so that works out for me pretty well. So I don't want to hear any emails about me living in a McMansion. I'm renting the place. I'm not buying it. One day I would like to buy a condo on the beach or maybe a little home off of the uh, the Alifaya River down here in, in Tampa Bay and and be able to go fishing and, and do all that stuff in my retirement. But for now, I need the space that uh, these ridiculously sized homes can provide and they're reasonably priced for me. So I'm all very happy about that. All right, I'm done. I, I need a beer. I got an IPA in the fridge with my name on it. So with that... I hope you have a good rest of the week. I hope you have a, or having a great weekend. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Punk!